This is the Horse Radio Network. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dressage Radio Show. This is episode 606, and this is Stacy Westfall's week to join us and do some Western dressage. We do this once a month in the Dressage Radio Show. This time, instead of her recording a special episode, I asked her if we could use one of her episodes from her podcast, the Stacy Westfall Podcast, where she talked to Lynn Palm about Western dressage. It was an excellent interview, and I think you're all going to enjoy it. And we'll get right to that right after this word from our sponsors, Kentucky performance products and total saddle fit she had waited all her life for this moment dreaming about it since she was 10 years old the trailer ramp touched the ground he whinnied as she backed him out swinging his head around to get a good look at his new home his coat gleamed in the sun her love had arrived she was breathless he was beautiful She could hardly wait to tack him up and start off on what she was sure would be the best times of her life. This love story is brought to you by Contribute, providing essential omega-3 fatty acids that help maintain low inflammation levels throughout your horse's body. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Call 859-873-2974 or visit kppusa.com to order today. Total Saddle Fit has the cinch that you've been looking for for your Western dressage saddle. The shoulder relief cinch actually changes the position and angle of the billets to prevent the saddle tree from interfering with the shoulder. The center of the cinch is set forward to sit in the horse's natural girth groove, while the sides of the cinch are cut back to meet the billets two inches behind where the horse's natural girth groove lies. This brings the latigos from angling forward to becoming perpendicular to the ground, which reduces the saddle's tendency to be pulled forward into the shoulders. With horses that have shoulder interference without angled billets, it simply moves the billets back to keep the saddle further away from the shoulders. The secondary benefit to this shape is the cutback at the elbows. This gives more room for elbow movement as well and prevents galls in the elbow area. You can find the shoulder relief cinch at totalsaddlefit.com. That's totalsaddlefit.com. Podcasting from a little cabin on a hill. This is the Stacy Westfall podcast. Stacy's goal is simple, to teach you to understand why horses do what they do, as well as the action steps for creating clear, confident communication with your horses. Hi, I'm Stacy Westfall, and I'm here to teach you how to understand, enjoy, and successfully train your own horses. This is season eight, which I'm calling Conversations with Stacy, and today I'm talking with Lynn Palm about Western dressage. Lynn competes, judges, and teaches people about Western dressage, but her resume is much broader. Listen to some of Lynn's accomplishments. She was, she has 34 AQHA, American Quarter Horse Association, World and Reserve World Championship titles. 34. She has seven Western Dressage Association of America World Championship titles. She has four Superhorse Championship titles, and she did over 50 special bridalist exhibitions with the legendary horse Rugged Lark, including, hold on to your hat, riding at the Olympic Games. This is a woman with a lot of experience in the horse industry. Let's listen to our conversation about Western dressage. Hi, Lynn. Thanks so much for joining me. Hey, Stacey. Anytime. I'm looking forward to this. Well, I, I, I ran into you at a horse show recently. Not literally. We started talking at the horse show, I should say. <laughs> and, yes. um, and I mentioned having you on the podcast to discuss Western dressage because it was a Western dressage show that we were at. And I always refer to you as the lady that wrote the book about the sport. So... Having said that, I would love to have you explain to everyone who's listening to the podcast what Western dressage is and why we're both so excited about it. 
Well, uh, Stacey, you know, Western dressage, um, its heritage started in Europe, in this, this in the Portugal, Spain region, which then went to South America with the Baroque horses, um, some in France, and and that style of riding with more of a saddle than an English saddle or dressage saddle, and um, those horses um, drawing a lot of attention because they are easy horses to train and got a lot of action in all their movements. Well, that then led to coming up through Mexico and California, and I think before your generation, certainly was mine, West, the Western world was so intrigued with the California trainers Mm -hmm. Uh, because of their knowledge and working with a lot of the Vaquero trainers. Mm -hmm. And the Vaquero trainers, I went out myself and worked with them several times when I was young and and starting in this industry. And I related it so easily to what I learned growing up in the classical dressage saddle. Mm -hmm. So I, I, as... um, uh, today, I ride the same today as I did 50 years ago when I started my business. And um, the the Western dressage really is what the classical dressage is all about. It's it's a, a fa- foundation, um, uh, classical training um, discipline, and just like the English dressage is. So... You know, it's 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 like um, dancing with your horse. You know, you put your yourself in balance, your horse in balance, and do all the integral um, tests and movements and transitions in a test. And I don't know. I feel like sometimes I'm out there dancing with my horse. I have so much fun doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and what what I what I'm excited about for the Western industry, um, Stacy, is that. Now we have something tangible that Western enthusiasts can follow with the levels of dressage. Yes. And, you know, that it's tangible now. You know, my my biggest, um, with the education of building good riders and, and happy longevity horses, um, the um, dressage tests take the horse and rider in a step-by-step program to teach that. Mm-hmm. And those that want to rush, there'll be lots of holes and mistakes and things not done well. Those that ride by the hand, you're going to have lots of issues as you get in the higher levels. And it teaches a rider to have a correct balance so they can use their aids effectively to get the horse to do what they want him to do mm-hmm. and put that horse in balance. So it's, 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 it's just all good riding. And I, and I, I, um, uh, praise for it for the Western world. You know, there's a lot of um, um, hard riding in the Western world because the stock horse is so forgiving and so amazingly patient and pe- and passionate for people. <laughs> they, they should be killing them all the way that some riders ride them harshly and strong and demanding and commanding and training with submission. You know, horses don't need that. Mm-hmm. I like that so you brought up the massage is a good, 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 healthy thing for everybody that likes to ride Western horses. Yeah, I love that you brought up the levels. Can you explain to those who are listening who don't understand the different levels? I love that you yeah. brought it up because you're right. That is a coming like I'll just speak coming from the reigning world. Like when we walk, when somebody comes in to do reigning, they immediately have to go in everything is done in the in the lope and they immediately have to do spins and sliding stops and so right so there there Which is there is no lower levels so can you explain the 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 progression of levels so that people listening can understand sure it's 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 great because it always starts with walk trot so that gives people a real good foundation to do the the test in the slower gates and to ride with accuracy and precision. And the walk trot is great. It starts you out with the correct figures of straight lines, transitions, size of circles, and then works into the basic level. And the basic level is the introduction of the lope work. And when I say trot, I mean jog. So sorry, I can still come a little more from the English world. But <laughs> so if I say that, but then again, and it progresses. And in the first level, 
Again, you're doing more from working gates to lengthening gates. Um, you're doing more advanced transitions. You start your lateral movements. So that then builds to the second level. And there's where you start into collected gates, also building more and lengthening and lateral gates and more advanced transitions. And so it just keeps building to more advanced riding for horse, for rider skills and the training of your horse. Mm-hmm. And the training of your horse is more of developing your horse's physique to be able to do the harder tasks. Mm-hmm. So for those that are, need to learn the uh, gallop or the extended lope to a slotting stop, you know, they still have to have a correct balance. They have to use a sequence of their aids. They just can't yank on the mouth. Um, or you know, yes, you can say, whoa, and if it's a really trained horse and he's got shoes on and he stays straight on his own, he'll stop, he'll slide. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, it, 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 it teaches the rider when they get in that first level where they're extending the gates and then doing harder transitions, the second level in Western dressage, that for me gives them the real foundation they need for the sliding stop, for a faster pivot which turns to a spin for um, roundness and accuracy of size circles, keeping a three beat lope on smaller circles for reining horses. I think that's the biggest challenge for most riders. So then there in the second level, you start going into your collected gait. Well, the most of the time when the riders do the small circles, they don't know how to collect their horse. They just slow down out down in front and they got a classical four beat lope which I always minus that score on circles. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. So there, the Western dressage is going to help all those maneuvers, not give an introduction in a different way because you have to have a downward transition in Western dressage uphill. Mm-hmm. It can't be falling to the forehand or it's yes. abrupt. Yes. Um, you can't have a lengthening if your horse goes flat and just noses out straight with his nose. Mm-hmm. You know, he's going to go quick and more with weight on the forehand and go quick strides. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he has to have an uphill, but a good connection is still some collection in the lengthening the gates. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it all relates. You know, when you want to go fat in those fast circles and today in rainy, oh, my gosh, you got to run so fast. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever get... um uh, teary eyes from going so fast. <laughs> it is. Uh, I, that's my I favorite part. Like yeah, that's like, I'm it's sure funny. It of all the different things that like, people think this, is it the spin, the slide? I like the running fast part still. So, yep. yeah. Thanks to Bill Horn. You remember that legend. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, he, I definitely he, he was the one. He was the master of that. He really was. Stuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I love how you yeah. just explained the the like the walk trot in that first level, and then the walk trot canter. Yeah. And the, it's exciting yeah. to me for the horse and the rider because that means I can take young horses to a show yeah. and start getting them yeah. acclimated acclim, acclimated to mm-hmm. that whole environment without having to Absolutely. be full blown rainers. And so that's that's Great. been amazing. And so, um, hey, that's good to hear. Yeah, that's it's really good. to hear. Well, maybe I think, we should start a young horse training program for for Western dressage mm-hmm. to build the foundation for reining and ranch horses and trail riding, good, good, safe trail riding and whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Now there we you go. you judge and you so you judge and you compete and you teach about this. So. Uh, when you yeah. are helping someone get started, if they come to you, like say they bought your book and and they're like, uh, Lynn Palm, how do I get started in Western dressage? What do you say? To right. Them? Well, <clears throat> first, evaluate the horse that they have and not that it's not for any horse, but we have to watch with our stock horse breeds because, you know, you and I both. Um, really favor the quarter horse or stock horse breeds that they're not extremely built downhill. Mm-hmm. If the horse is really built downhill, they're going to struggle if they want to go in higher levels. Not to start out at the intro and get their feet wet and the basic, not a problem. 
You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you want a longer outline on those horses. And the forward motion usually keeps the horse going more uphill, even though they're built downhill mm-hmm. without inverting. So it's it's still good. But, you know, I just had to uh, tell a lady that's moving up now to uh, um, uh, first level from the basic. No, 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 no. Uh, intro to basic with a quarter horse. And, you know, uh, she's had some, even it's so built downhill and some feet issues. She's had some lameness issues with them. Mm-hmm. Well, she still does. And she's still trying to go up the, the ladder, so to speak, with the dressage tests and, and advance herself with this horse. And the horse just can't do it physically. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, that's really the only kind of horse. I don't think that's maybe not suited for Western dressage. It's for all breeds. You know, your breeds like your Morgans, your Arabs, your warm blood types, your, um, oh, I love those those ponies or smaller horses, the Fjords and um, Hufflingers, oh, yep. you know. Yep. Yeah, they're all built a little bit more uphill mm-hmm. in their conformation. So, you know, they can go up the ladder easier than if it was a stock horse that's built downhill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's 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 what we got to watch in, in in the stock horse breeds for the discipline to you know get one and 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 move up the ladder with them. Okay, and then so do, do I, you, go, yep, go ahead. I was just saying, did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I think so. So so they come to you and they yep. and and you say evaluate the horse. So yep. Yep. then, what's the next step after yep. that? Well, the next step after that, with evaluating the horse, you got to evaluate the rider. Mm-hmm. And see where their skills may lie. And, of course, no matter if it's a rider that could fit into the, a basic or first level, let's say, we still have them start to learn the math of the dressage ring and doing the figures, being riding with accuracy on figures and sizes and precise at transitions in the intro level. Mm-hmm. And then you know, intro and and a basic together. Then once they get comfortable with the arena, both sizes, the 20 by 40 and the 20 by 60 court, then it's basic. You keep them at basic, but then you move them to first level. Mm -hmm. Then when they're getting proficient at first level, then you eliminate the basic and then start into the second level, but you're still mastering the first level. Mm-hmm. And then work up the the ladder. I always tell people to advance when their scores are consistently in the seventies. Okay. If not, not just one time a seventy, consistently in the seventies on all the tests. Then you're you're understanding and you're riding correct and accurate and precise. Mm-hmm. And if that's happening, then your horse is in a good balance, and he's, you're both are ready to advance the next level. Rider skills. And again, developing the horse to be able to carry himself more collected, mm-hmm. more powerful, more athletic, more balanced to move up to the new levels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a nice progression. So here's here's an example. Um, most people come to me from a clinic and they say, I want to learn flying lead changes. And I uh-huh. say, do you realize that that's the most um, advanced transition you can do with a horse? Oh, well, no, I've never heard anybody say it that way. And I said, yeah, that's that's the most advanced and that's the hardest to do it when you want to do it on command. Mm-hmm. And so um, they say, OK, well, I said, that's fine. Then I have to see how all the other transi- transitions are with your work to the canter. So I start with, of course, working jog to to uh, lope, just like they have in the basic level. Then I go to. The same thing, working lope to jog. That's the first transition. Then it's simple change of lead, lope through the trot. Well, that's not a simple change of lead. A change of lead through the jog. So that's lope, jog, lope transitions. Mm -hmm. Then they have to do walk canter or walk lope transitions. Then they have to do lope, walk, lope transitions. Mm -hmm. Well, anybody that struggles with any of that, especially the first one is usually the one that's saying, can I do flying lead changes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're going to struggle with it. You're yeah. going to have, you know, it's like they say with the reigning horses, he's dead leaded. Well, that's great. That's a horse that is athletic and can 
take care of his own ballot mm-hmm. and change leads easily. Yeah. But, you know, if if they don't change leads, you, you know, you can teach your horse to do that mm-hmm. and do it on command when you want it to. Mm-hmm. So it, it all the progression of the Western dressage leads to that. And the lead changes in force level. Yes. Which I think is really great. Mm-hmm. That really is going to build riders. But what I'm seeing, and especially from the judge's point of view, people want to get further up the the levels to make them fit, feel like they're accomplishing something or they're a pretty good rider. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not really that because anybody that competes, you're competing against a national standard mm-hmm. and, a, and a score that is, 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 is across the books, kind of like your reigning is when they're scoring. Um, and, and so, um, you know, it, it, it makes a a good difference all the way around, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, then that the person that wants to get into it, you know, that they, they either, you got to find out in the valuation, if it's for recreation or for competition. Okay. I find just like you said, recreation, I call the trail rider. That's Mm -hmm. their interest more in trail riding and learning to ride. Well, we have many students like that mm-hmm. loves them because they do a training out on the trails. And that's what I always did with my show horses and mm-hmm. still do. Mm-hmm. I practice my transitions, the straightness of my horse, the horse bends on the curves of a trail. Mm-hmm. I uh, adjust the balance up and down hills. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all good. Uh, it's so um, if it's the competitor that is interested in that, then they need to watch either other riders ride a test, uh, go to a horse show, and then that gets them a little bit more the bug of it. And usually anybody that um, has never done a test before, but that had good instruction with their riding, um, mm-hmm. they they you get you have them do a test. And I just it just happened with I don't know I had three days of clinics in Pennsylvania this last weekend. Um, I don't know how many students there was probably at least 15 mm-hmm. and all of them except one have never ridden a Western dressage test or an English dressage. Test. Didn't matter if they were, there was a couple Western riders, mostly English. That's exciting. They never done a dressage test. I know they never have done a dressage test. Every one of them. It's either it's, it's very black and white. The person that's never ridden a test and does, they either love it. And they're hooked on it immediately, or they don't like it. <laughs> but I haven't found anybody that doesn't like it yet. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. They all love it. They every one of those riders up there, they all loved it. Well, they're getting a dressage ring at their boarding stable now, and they want to do more of it, and they want to do the virtual horse shows, uh, or ride a test, you know, or just a virtual ride a test and and get it judged and critiqued. So now, you know, it's it's. Yeah, you, you you bring that up, and I want you to speak a little bit to the um the feedback. Do you think it's because of the feedback that you're giving them? Do you think can you speak a little bit about the feedback loop that happens in dressage and Western dressage that we don't necessarily get in the rest of the in a lot of the other disciplines? Well, you know the 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 best part about a judge, and I don't know, um, I and you were at the judges seminar, I guess, two years ago mm-hmm. with WDAA and. Um, I don't think they enough stress the fact that when a judge is scoring, you know, you, you need to understand what the words mean with that score. For instance, a six is satisfactory. Mm. So, you know, and then a seven is um, um, fairly good. So you need to know really what those mean, because when you put the score to it, your comment should be if the rider gets a six. It was satisfactory done. You need to give a comment that says something that will help increase their score. Oops, okay. My dogs <laughs> help increase their score. If they get a really low score, six six point five and above. If they get a lower score, six and below, you should critique why they needed more bend in the corner, or the huh. horse was not straight, or transition was on the forehand. But it, there, you. Um, um, uh, try to t- tell them what it was, and then you can make another comment, like I'm doing with the virtual show I'm doing right now. That I'm adding more education, which in USDF, <clears throat> the judge expects in education 
or sorry, the judge or the clinician expects that person to have knowledge of what's in that level. Okay. They might not be able to do it well, but they know the new requirements in that level or that test, or, you know, they, they have done their homework to, you know, walk the test on foot to, you know, know what's going to be asked. Then you learn about it. Mm-hmm. So in, in the, the, Judging aspect, what I try to do as a Western dressage judge, again, since it's such a new discipline, and there is a lot of crossover with English riders coming to Western and vice versa, mm-hmm. that uh, I try to add a little bit more education where in the USDF, which is the classical dressage, in their judges programs, you know, they want you to make a comment on how they can make that score higher. That's the education part of it, but I go a little bit more extensively. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I'm unusual about, a lot of my comments are about improving the rider. Mm. I'm a firm believer as an educator, improve the rider, you'll improve the horse. You improve okay. the riders with their skills, their fundamentals and their skills. And then you improve their knowledge of what they're doing and why. Then, of course, like any sport, they got to do the practice to do it well. Yeah. Can you give an example? So, uh, well, the the, uh, the rider that's learning how to lope with balance and control. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, the riders that are just learning the lope, it's it's a big step because the, the gate covers more ground. You're you're all of a sudden everything comes to you to have negative reactions happen. That oh my gosh, I'm going fast, and then you get stiff and quick, and then you get hurried, and then you lose where you're going, and all those things start happening because you're not used to it. Mm-hmm. You haven't practiced it. <laughs> so so you have to practice the skills to have a better balance, how your hips follow the motion, how you keep your balance from your seat, how you keep the aids going to keep the lope going. Mm-hmm. You know, they got to learn the transitions. So in the sequence of aids, so all of that then, um, I think is a, is a big step in that level for riders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm I'm reflecting back to what you said about the competitive rider versus the non-competitive rider, and I hadn't right. actually right. I hadn't actually thought about that a lot. You said you have a fair number of students that come to learn that are not competitive about not it. Uh-huh. What do you yeah. um, like? So they're basically they're looking to enhance their communication. Is that what they're doing? Yeah, they're looking to get better control of their horse, which gives them confidence. Okay. And I love the fact here's a simple um, um, a simple thing that I love about the dressage ring. Why do we have letters? They don't need any rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. But the letters teach the rider to look and think in front of their horse. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. That's a good well, way look to put what it. That's gonna do for lots of things. Yeah. So that in itself is going to give that rider confidence. Mm-hmm. Even if the horse isn't doing exactly what they want, but if they keep targeting their eye where they're going in that dressage ring and it has to be on a letter, their riding starts to change. Mm-hmm. Their horses start to do better because yeah. they're not wiggling around and looking down and chewing late and hands back in the saddle and balancing their hands and try to pull the head in to set the head and all those things that happen that make the horse more challenging because the rider's skills are um, lack balance. And of course, if they lack balance, then they're not going to be giving clear and consistent or light cues. Right. Yeah, that's so a good that's point. So that's what horses wanted. Yeah, yeah, yep, that's yep. a good point. Yeah, that, that would make the, they right. basically plan ahead. They learn how to plan ahead, the rider does. Absolutely. Give them more clear cues. I like that. So one thing I've noticed that I'd like to hear you speak to is like, I, I wonder if the... Um, crossover just makes it easier to start in Western dressage because of the tack. So can you speak about the, the difference in tack a little bit? Meaning, um, so I think people may might go into Western dressage as a good starter when they've seen traditional dressage on like the TV, maybe the Olympics or something, but they can get started right. in Western tack. And can you, so yeah. do you think, do you think that's a, that's helping people get started because they're more comfortable. And then can you explain some of the rules of, um, of what bits you can ride in and stuff? 
Well, I have to be general with this, but I'll try to be general and so people can get a lot out of it because yeah. the tack is, is really just like any discipline. Um, the, the rules of the competition will give people knowledge, even if you don't want to compete, mm-hmm. but um, getting the rules of what tack is allowed and prohibited. That's number one. <clears throat> but in general, the Western saddle is very inviting especially to uh, the baby boomers, the uh, 50 and older group, because there's just a lot more saddle around you and it gives a lot of confidence and security mm-hmm. opposed to a dressage saddle. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I think that's really desirable that attracts people is that the the horses in overall in performance, you want working active gates, but it's not as ground covering um, and, um, 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 how do I want to say, um, have, um, uh, forward impulsion as much as the traditional dressage horse is going to have. That's yeah. The gates, the gates are smoother with most of the breeds that are doing it. The, the Arab, the Morgan, the quarter horse, um, the, you know, the draft type breeds of horses um those um you know their their gates are smoother than again to traditional dressage which will always be the breed of choice is the warm blood mm-hmm. um and those horses also may be um for western dressage i said this the breeds desirable maybe smaller horses that's attracted to people mm-hmm. um so there's there's a lot of things that attract people to the Western to the English, but as far as the learning the discipline, either it's it's it mirrors each other. Yes, it mirrors how to build your skills. It mirrors how to train your horses. That's why when I teach, I tell people I have my own method. I just base my training of horses and teaching riders on classical training. Mm-hmm. It's already been discovered thousands of years ago. <laughs> it's already been practiced and successfully practiced thousands of years ago, starting with the horse at war and the, the, the Ficaro Spanish, that whole um, uh, Lusitano and illusion, those horses, all the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, so it's, it, and, and it works. And and it works why? Because it's a thorough understanding of the anatomy of a horse and how a rider can successfully ride and communicate and get that horse to be a willing partner. Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line. And that's the fun part. It's not building a fight. Right. If, if they can't do it, that's where I go back to myself. Now, what can I do differently here to get this horse to understand what I'm asking him? What can I do differently? So mm-hmm. that's why it was back to when I judge, I do critique the rider an awful lot in my comments. Is this the first year that you've done online judging? Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had it before COVID. And no, so, I don't think so. And yeah, so, so it's funny because, yeah. how's that been? Well, I, I'm doing a group of uh, quarter horse enthusiasts from Italy. Wow. Uh, I'm the judge for hunt seat equitation, which I love. And um, because in the quarter horse world, I was always um, really a stronger English rider, more the appendix horse and started with the ear of the hunters and driving and all that. Uh And so um, that's why they're my favorite ones, actually, because you can ride them Western beautifully as well. Uh Um, And um, Oh, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? Just the online judging uh, in general. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And and so I have always critiqued videos as part of our services we offer. I've always, um, um, I when the, when the fax machine was the big thing, I used to give lessons a week to several riders in Switzerland by fax. Wow. With diagrams and, <laughs> and a lesson plan, what to do with their practice time over there. Yeah. Because the sports are very serious and dedicated people mm-hmm. in anything they do. So they're really fun to work with. But anyway, this um, uh, the online um, show that I'm also doing, I got done with, I had 19 riders. And then like Carla Winberg's doing horsemanship, Western horsemanship. Um, 
Oh, um, oh, I, I like her so much. Uh, she's from Arizona. She won the world in ranch horse. Um, oh, I see her face. Debbie, um, Debbie Cooper is doing the ranch riding and, um, somebody else is doing trail, I think. And somebody else is doing raining. Wow. So they had those events. And anyway, um, this Western dressage group from the, um, I believe they're a WDAA affiliate in Illinois. Uh-huh. They started a horse show called the Firecracker Show, I guess. And it's and people sent in their videos to them as entries, paid for their entries. And I'm as a judge, and I'm a large R judge. They've asked me to judge those entries. I had no idea I'd be doing 84 of them. <laughs> I have to do it in a week's time because they do a deadline. And so there's one week where the people putting the show together have to get everything organized and sent tests to me, you know, that they're handwritten tests. Mm-hmm. So that takes a week to get that all done. And then the judge only has a week. Well, I was doing a clinic in Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> so I lost some time. But anyway, um, I'm going to I'm going to put in one hard weekend and then I'm going on vacation <laughs> for a month. But I'm going to show a classical English show this weekend and both I just got my ride times which is great when you show dressage by the way. Yes. Um both of them I'll be done about two o'clock. So Maureen I think we can knock it off and have our deadline is on Monday and get the next 40 done in those next two afternoons. So nice. there we go. Nice. nice. I like hey, the, I like that you brought up I like that you brought up ride times. Can you explain that? Well, um, in, in every, any other competition, the, there's a class schedule. And with a class schedule, um, if it's a judged event, um, you pretty much have to estimate or guesstimate times or work with the show management when a class may be that you're, you're entered in. Well, in dressage, you have the exact time you have to enter the ring for your competition. Mm-hmm. And that's wonderful. And why it's wonderful first, it really um, helps plan a warm-up, a constructive warm-up, so your horse and you go in the ring peaking in performance rather than being tired or hadn't done enough or you were late, hurried up, and all those things that can happen. So you you build your warm-up from, you know, how long you feel that you and your horse are ready to do your test. And then um, you base that on your ride time. And the ride time, I always use 9.17, okay? If that was the time, that's the time that Stuart is letting you come into that ring. Mm-hmm. So um, then you've got a few minutes while the judge is finishing the previous rider's test with their comments. And um, you're in the ring, around the ring or in the ring. And when your test started, it's, it's about a 10-minute interval. Your test, the test will last anywhere from five to six minutes. Yep. So it's nice. It's longer. It's a longer performance of a of a pattern than you get in the breed shows or raining. Mm-hmm. And it's um it's it's fun if you like to ride with accuracy and precision and control, um and get all the wonderful moments that we all get when everything is working and in balance and you get those aha moments saying, Oh my God, that was so easy. I want more of that. Then you work harder <laughs> at it. Yeah. Yeah. Now I, the one and thing that I, a raining horse gives you those feelings if they stay straight <laughs> and keep their balance uphill. It's wonderful. It does. Now, one thing I noticed with the little horse that I'm riding right now is she would have been, Going straight into raining, I believe, would have been hard because for the horse, it goes straight into all canter work and fast work, you know. So you're doing, and there is that you might, you walk or trot in, but aside from that, the whole rest of it's done at the canter. And what I realized right. when I started training her was that she's naturally a little more sensitive and she likes Absolutely. to anticipate a little bit more. And what was so neat was right. after I took her to about three shows, she started looking for the walk transition in the dressage test. There you go. There and you I go. thought this is the best seed to plant ever because instead of anticipating big sliding stop, she was anticipating somewhere out here, there's a walk 
with my head down long and low. And I found it to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I want to circle back to one other thing you mentioned earlier and and tie it together. You mentioned you were in Pennsylvania and you were helping a lot of people get started in dressage. And what I, I want to talk about now is your Lynn Palm Western Dressage Fund because you really, really yeah. believe in education. And so you can you explain what the Western Dressage Fund is and why you created it and how people could take advantage of it? Yes, absolutely. Well, first of all, I'll say at the beginning and the end, the Western Dressage Foundation, okay. those three words, dot, dot .org is how people can learn about it on the website. And um, I was, or I'm in my 50th year in business and I wanted to do something special for the 50th year or thereafter to give back to the industry. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, looking at the people that are involved and I've seen how fast this Western dressage has grown. And I know the good values of it, especially for the horse and rider, but especially the good values for the horse, just like you said, how it helped your reigning horse. Is that positive or what? Mm-hmm. So I decided that instead of doing something myself, why not team with something that's already established, well-respected, and there was nothing emphasizing Western. Yeah. So um, uh, I teamed up with the Dressage Foundation and um, it there is People can submit for a grant. Um, the grant will, they have to submit the what it's going to do to coordinate a clinic or an educational seminar or uh, a camp or um, a lecture or, you know, whatever, a ride, a test clinic, whatever somebody wants to do that's educational. Mm-hmm. And there is a board. I am on the board, but uh, some other awesome ladies that's been part of the foundation which I love to work with um, uh, to approve the um, applications. So if your application is approved, you get X amount of dollars to put on the event. Nice. So that's the first phase. Then I want to develop more with it. I want to try to get involved with kids. And I grew up in 4-H and I would like to get involved with 4-H on a national level, but they don't do that. Mm. They do it only state level. So I don't know, I, uh, you know, like pony clubs, a national level, that's all for kids. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, I'd like to do some kind of program where it's, it helps kids that can't afford to get into the sport and, and help support them financially, where they can go get lessons and they can go to clinics um, to get educated, um, you know, and maybe some kind of incentive for, for young kids for competition. So I don't know. Those are some just some ideas that I'm talking out loud that aren't there, but I hope to develop that with these people. Mm-hmm. That is that is yeah. so that is so yeah. awesome that you did that because and yeah, it, it makes you feel good, Stacy. It's it's a good feeling. You get to a part an age in your life, and this this horse industry has has given me such a beautiful life. I'm blessed. I respect horses. They're magical, and um. I sure know also that horses are very important with this all ugliness going on in the world. They really mm-hmm. do give positive feedback to everybody. And mm-hmm. I saw that in the clinic this last weekend. And we saw it at the horse show. You yes. know, everybody was working hard. All Even the English riders. You know, that's the second time that they've allowed um, um, the uh, English classical dressage, USDF, and the Western USEF together on the same ground. So I thought that was kind of neat because we had a lot of people coming over and watching us ride, you know. Yes. They were peeking. And then there were people that came. There were (laughs) ones that were shy peeking, but (laughs) there were. (laughs) Yes, there were. There were. Well, I really, really appreciate. Yes. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I really appreciate everything you've done to promote this because it's really helping horses and people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just one other thing that I would like to also yeah. accomplish that I like with the English world that needs to be mirrored, but they don't want to discourage anybody at this point because there's a lot of older retired horses that or have horses that have not had a good life that also gets somehow swung in this dressage court and they love it. 
um, that um, um, the uh, oh, I lost my trend of thought again. Saying that, Stacy, my goodness, um, <laughs> we're, it, we're we're having fun jumping all over the place in this conversation. So it's all good. Is that I really would like the intro and the basic levels to be done in a snaffle. Mm. I think that that would be, uh, and I voted for it, uh, but they didn't want to limit anybody from riding if they had a horse that was older and it just did better with a curb bit. Uh, yeah. So I hope in the future we can, we can change that. I think that'll be important because I'm judging right now some of the lower levels and some of the horses have such tight necks, which yeah. tightens the back, shortens the step behind, goes behind a bit, you know, which are truly handwritten and people don't know the difference. So yeah. if I had a snaffle... It, it wouldn't make such a big um, fault in what they're doing. You know? I, yeah, I think so. this is important to talk about for just a minute. So I'm going to clarify. So like in traditional sure. dressage, the the horses yeah. have to be ridden in a snaffle bit up through yeah. uh, second level. That and, is correct. And, and it's optional in third and fourth. Got uh-huh. it. And so, but yeah. in Western dressage, in the the view was in order to get the sport going, to keep things, right. to keep it open, people could basically come from almost any discipline into the Western dressage ring and use the original tack they had. Absolutely. You said it very well said. Absolutely. And, and, and I see where you're going with it, where you're saying like, it would be nice if people, and here's where, where it, I think it dovetails perfectly with what you were just saying. The, when people ride a horse in a shanked bit and the horse isn't ready for it, you get the resistance right. you're describing in the exactly. test. And it's, um, but sometimes they feel intimidated going back to the snaffle, but the snaffle has a different effect on the horse and would actually Absolutely. improve, would actually improve a lot of the base of that because of what you said, yep. the tight neck and all that stuff. But right. that is a dance that with this being an earlier earlier association i suppose that's a dance they're trying to figure out right now right right and they think that the curb bit gives them more response because it's more severe or responsive bits but they don't have the skills to be riding with those bits yeah so they're more resistant yeah exactly then the horse is more resistant they're not keeping a good balance. They're mm-hmm. bouncing. Mm-hmm. You know, the horse is tightening. Mm-hmm. Um, then they're bouncing again in their hands or their feet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, a, a snaffle is a lot more forgiving. Yes. And it helps also, you know, the horse as well. So, but it's, you know, again, there's a reason for it. And again, the reason is, is that you don't want, you, if you have too responsive a bit, then you can have too much of your horse blocked. Yes. And when they're blocked, then they're going to headset by tightening the neck and the jaw mm-hmm. and the back and the hind legs are going to be stiff. The gait's going to be quick mm-hmm. and they're going to be abrupt and, and you know, tight and tense mm-hmm. in their performance. Mm-hmm. So that's where, you know, I think that, you know, having the snaffle as a requirement in those two levels, yeah. Then it's optional. Let it be optional the rest of the levels. And yeah. I'm sure that they will develop more than a fourth level in the future as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's all good. Yeah. But I'm seeing, you know, most part riders doing levels that the horses aren't ready yeah. for. You know, yeah. do a level that you can shine at. If it's lower, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And if you go up a level, this is the other thing. It's your choice or your coach's choice with you. Did you go back a level? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's okay. It's not mm-hmm. like you're failing. Mm-mm. You know, anytime you want to advance, you got to make easier things even more perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then you can do the harder things. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I know that I grabbed you kind of, um, Hey Lynn, let's do this. Let's do this interview right now. So I really, really appreciate you jumping on the phone yep. and, Thank you so much for everything you've done for the sport, because I truly believe that as you help educate more people, you help more horses and it helps the industry and it just makes this win, 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 win. So thank you for writing the book. Thank you for writing in all the demonstrations. Thank you for promoting the sport and educating the people. And thank you for joining me on the podcast today. Ah, thank you so much. Well, again, those that may want to take advantage of that uh, Western Dressage Foundation 
uh, with the, the Dressage Foundation. Um, just go to their website and it's .org, the dressagefoundation.org. And I, yeah, um, I'll put links in there. In, yep. Yeah. Put some links. That's great. And yep. then um, as we talk, Stacy, I look forward to doing these together with you. I'm going to do, I want to do some myself to my viewership and following, and we need to combine it with uh, some open ideas from those out in the industry that would like us to do um, things where we can tap in other people's um, um, uh, uh, networking so we can get more people and really grow the sport. Yeah, it's And I sport. had a blast riding with you in Lexington and had fun watching you show and had fun showing there. We did good. It was so darn hot. Um, <laughs> and and uh, by the way, um, um, and I think you were second the first day. I don't know about the second day, but we were top score, t- first and second for the um, Western Dressage show. But both days on my chestnut mare with the white leg, uh-huh. she was high score horse of all the English horses too. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Oh. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Is that cool? That is yeah, very she cool. She got two beautiful champion ribbons. Absolutely. Wow. So that's cool. So there you go. See, the Western can be as good as those English horses. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> or that was really fun. And actually that one I do both with. So there you go. I like doing both with them. Yes. Yes, definitely. I've been doing that too, right. for sure. Well, thanks for again. Sure. Yep. I look forward to the next time and uh, best to all and give your horses a, a big hug and a kiss for me and tell them thank you for being so magical. Okay, after listening to that conversation, I have one thing that I would like to point out. Aside from the information that you received about Western Dressage, did you hear the passion that Lynn still has for what she does? Now, let's get this straight. After 50 years as a professional, she still brings that level of passion to this industry, which to me also explains her decision to fund the Educational Foundation because she really, truly loves horses and people and this industry. If you're considering hosting some type of Western Dressage educational event, I really encourage you to check out the fund. It awards up to $2,000 per event, and you can find all the details over at dressagefoundation.org. I'll also put links in the show notes of this episode so you can find all the information there too because it's a really great way to help Lynn help grow the industry by using the grant that she set up. So thanks again for listening to the podcast and I'll talk to you again in the next episode. If you enjoy listening to Stacy's podcast, please visit stacywestfall.com for articles, videos, and tips to help you and your horse succeed. 